Let's go ahead and get started, page 365. There's not a friend like the Lord Jesus. No, not one, no, not one. None else could heal all our souls page 396 at the bottom. Lord, take my hand, leave me all. 
song, my mind goes back to my early days as a Christian. I had a ministry at a, at a nursing home, and we would go out there. I can't remember how often, but have regular services for them. And I went out one day, and there was a, there was a dear saint of God. Her name was Sister Gant, and she was a, a, a colored lady. She had diabetes real bad. She had already had one leg cut off, and she was blind and confined to a wheelchair. I went in her room, and I said, Sister Gant, would you like to go to service today? She always had the sweetest spirit about her, the sweetest voice. She said, Oh, yes, preacher, let's go. And I'd wheel her to the room. And then I'd say, Sister Gant, you want to sing for us? Oh, yeah. And I'd wheel her up there up front and turn her around. She couldn't see a thing, totally blind. And she'd sing, Precious Lord, take my hand. And then she'd sing that, Does Jesus Care? Woo! <laughs> Does Jesus Care? And boy, she'd sing it. And God would show up in that little old room and meet with us. Well, I tell you what, when you get to glorifying Jesus, he'll show up. Amen. Amen. Thankful that he's alive and doing well. And thank God he's taking care of business on our behalf. Amen. Good to see all of you tonight. If you're glad to be here, say amen. Amen. Good to see you tonight. Got a few things we need to make mention to you. Don't forget this uh, Saturday, the men are leaving at at 2 o'clock. To go to Top Golf, have a good time of fellowship. You come be with us. If you're a man, you come be with us, and and we'll have a good time together. And uh, that's that's it. Oh, let me mention this. On Wednesday nights, I, I normally mention this, but I've been I've been backslid about doing it. Um, we pray monthly for a given preacher in his church. And this month we're praying for Brother Barry Goodman in Faith Baptist Church up in Shelby, North Carolina. Brother Barry's a dear friend of mine, and and uh, Lord put him on my heart for us to pray for. So when you when you pray in that regard, pray for Brother Barry Goodman that God would bless his ministry and their, his family, and also I appreciate that. As far as our prayer request tonight, we need to pray. Continue praying for Brother Warren. It's good to have him with us tonight. Got another procedure, the 24th. Yes, sir. So we need to really keep him in prayer and held up before the throne of grace. Uh, Sister Peggy Jackson has just been admitted back into the hospital. We need to pray for her. And Deb and I rode down to coming today and saw Sister Peggy Phillips, and she's doing a lot better, Sister Sue. Looked great today. And, and they changed some medications for her, so... Anyway, uh, we need to pray for them, and also we need to pr- continue praying for Gail Vickers, that God would be with her and her family. Got to have some major surgery done, so we need to continue praying for her. Also, Lisa Kemp and family and Sherry Seabolt. How about your prayer request tonight? Justin Allen. Justin Marlowe and her family. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
to anybody else tonight. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah well, a preacher. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He's at home now. Okay, well, amen. Yeah. Brother Al. Clara McMillan, she's having cataract surgery. My cousin. Uh-huh. Um, I met a lady today, and she asked us to pray for her mother, Emma, who had a heart attack a couple of days ago. Uh-huh. Anyone else tonight? Anything else on your heart? Rizzle. Let's remember to pray for our our church, that God would continue working in a special way. And uh, just keep building, and we'll we'll see revival soon. Soon and very soon, amen. So let's all come gather around these altars tonight together, praying over these requests, and praying God's blessings upon the service tonight. missionary offering you can bring it at this time get you one of our study sheets for our study tonight
Praying that everyone's had a good week thus far in the Lord. God's blessings is evident in your life. Tell you a little something that happened every Sunday morning. Brother Dell and Sister Marlene, they're so faithful to check all of our mailbox. We got two mailboxes for the church, and they'll uh, gather all the mail together. Then we've got a inner mailbox system in the church, and Sister Marlene will put the mail directed to me in the church and uh, give me the mailbox, and I'll go through it. This past Sunday, there was a, a letter in there just addressed to the church, and I opened it up. And uh, inside of there was a little, just a little note from um, one of the men that I graduated with. You remember last year I went to my 50th class reunion down in Waycross. Was there two days with all of them and had the opportunity to give my testimony to my graduating class and tell them how to be saved. And one of the men, and get this, they live in Murrayville, Georgia. They live in Murrayville, Georgia. Of all places for God to plant him, he lives in Myrtle. And he sent us a little note, a generous love offering to the church. And uh, that was such a blessing to get that. I've got his address now, so I'm going to hound him. I'm going to be a hound dog and go see him. Uh, I love my classmates and love the opportunity that God gave me in, in that respect, uh, being able to give my testimony. My testimony, every time I tell it, it gets bigger and bigger. And uh, when I was down there this last year, I was reminded of some things that happened. And it just kind of fits some more of the pieces of my life together. The year that I graduated, 1971, uh, my dad, if he was still living, I'd still be in college. My dad determined I was going to go to college, and I didn't want to go, but... That was his dream, was that his boy go to college. And anyway, I went off to college up to Valdosta State, and, uh, and that same year, I hadn't been enrolled in college very long. My daddy died. My mother called me and told me the news over the phone, and back then we didn't have cell phones or anything. And uh, I was reminded of some things that happened at that given time. And uh, one of my classmates told me, said, said, John, you changed when all of that happened. And I did. And I knew exactly what he meant when he told me that I changed drastically. I, I didn't change for the good. I changed for the very bad. I, see, my dad was my identity. All my identity was wrapped up in my daddy. I was a Dale. I was, uh, my daddy was a very prosperous businessman and and, uh, and I would go to that business with my dad. And I was, my dad was my total hero. And then at the age of 18 years old, my daddy died. Well, at that time, I lost who I was. I lost my way. I lost my identity. I lost my morality. I lost who I was, what I was, <coughs> why I was even here. And I... I found myself going off in the very deep part of my life. And there was one year of my life, honest, before the Lord, I can't even remember that year. That's how bad my life was. 
And thank God for God watching out over us all through those kind of times. And uh, I was lost, and I mean literally lost. Physically and spiritually, I was so lost. And then in 1982, I got my identity back when Jesus saved me, and I became a Christian and uh, in Christ. And uh, now, now I've got my identity back, and so thankful that the Lord's done what he's done in my life. And uh, I got to tell that class last year all, some of that. I got to tell them that. And one of them uh, that I graduated with, uh, Jim Wade, he lives up in Tacoa. He's a doctor up there now. And uh, I, I talked to Jim a good bit after I gave my testimony. And he said, uh, whether Jim's saved or not, I don't know. That's between him and the Lord. But uh, Jim said, you know, people that have been through what you've been through after he heard what I went through. And Jim was one of my very close friends. He, uh, he said, people that have been through what you've been through make good preachers. And I don't know about all of that, but uh, I sure appreciate what the Lord did in my life. And, and just I continue to pray for my graduating class that God would do a work in their hearts. And uh, maybe I'll get another opportunity to tell them about Jesus. Amen. All right. We're going to be in Acts chapter 10. Tonight, just felt like I needed to share that for a little bit. I might have just needed to do it just for myself tonight. We're going to be in Acts chapter 10. We're still not going to finish the chapter tonight. There's just so much, and as I, and as I sat and prepared for this, I, I sat in my upper room all day yesterday. It was probably after 7, 8 o'clock when I finally walked down preparing this, this lesson, and uh, and as I study it, there's just things that come to my mind as I, as I dig deep into it. And, and I pray that these lessons are a, a blessing to you. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer, then we'll look at our study sheets together tonight. Our Heavenly Father, as we come before you, Lord, we're, we're blessed to be able to call upon the name of Jesus. And Lord, as we do tonight, we're asking you, Lord, to please touch every one of our hearts that you'd please manifest yourself, Lord, to us tonight as we study together. Lord, I love these people, Lord. They're the people, Lord, so precious to my heart. And I pray your blessings upon us all tonight. Those that are, are sick, we pray, Lord, that your blessings of healing would be upon them. Those that, Lord, are spiritually sick, I pray, Lord, for a spiritual healing. I pray that you'd revive our entire church, Lord. Revive me. But, Lord, I'm asking you to revive us. Oh, God, please do a work in all of our hearts, even tonight. And we're thankful for everything that you'll do. Bless the word of God tonight in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen, amen and amen. There was just a verse of Scripture, a couple of verses of Scripture that just became really real to me early yesterday morning. And I start this study off with those verses that said, Oh, the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him and it shall be recompensed unto him again? 
For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. And he ends that, those verses with that word, Amen. Acts chapter 10 is an amazing chapter. It is one of the most important transitional chapters recorded for us in the Word of God. In that chapter, the gospel is open to the Gentile world. Thus far in the book of Acts, the gospel message has been centered mainly around the Jewish population. In the gospels, there were occasional interactions between individual Gentiles and Jesus. And we have witnessed an Ethiopian eunuch saved in Acts chapter 8 of Acts. But God so loved the world. His love is not limited to a predetermined or select group of people. The gospel of Jesus Christ is all-inclusive throughout every generation and includes every Jew and every Gentile. Aren't you thankful for that? And the invitation for either group is the same for everyone. There are not many ways of salvation. Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation, whether it be Jew or Gentile. Jesus said it himself in John 14, 6. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. There are many benefits in studying the Word of God, and serious students of the Scriptures realize that. One of the greatest discoveries of any passage is what it reveals about God. Not only does Acts 10 reveal the door of salvation opening to the Gentiles, but it also reveals an amazing aspect of God. God is so big that we could never comprehend the fullness of His essence. Yet He is so personal that He involves Himself in the smallest of our affairs. God is interested in and involves Himself in the lives of individuals. He involves Himself to arrange for certain people to meet one another for a given purpose. In this chapter... As God sits upon his throne in heaven, there are two men on earth that God is very interested in. One is a good man who lives in Caesarea, but he is lost. The other individual is an old-time friend, a disciple who is abiding at Joppa, Simon Peter. In the mind of God, these two men need to get together. But there are some things God needs to work out both in both lives before they meet one another. We want to first consider from this passage, verses 17 uh, through 33, we want to first consider Simon's doubting. Verse 17 and 18 reads like this, Now while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon which was surnamed Peter, were lodged there. God had already dispatched an angel to the city of Caesarea to meet with Cornelius, a good man but a lost man. This man prayed and fasted, and he also gave much alms to the people who lived in his area. The good things Cornelius had been doing in life had come up for memorial before God. This man, even though he was a good man, is also a lost man. The God of heaven has now moved in his life and instructed him to send men to Joppa to search for Simon Peter. While God is working in Caesarea, he is also working in 
Peter's life at Joppa. Peter needs to learn some lessons about the gospel. While on a rooftop, Peter sees an unusual vessel like a sheet knit at the four corners, representing the four corners of the earth, descend from heaven. Contained within the vessel are all manner of unclean animals and creeping things. The Lord tells Peter, rise, kill, and eat. Peter informs the Lord that he has never eaten anything unclean or common, and he promptly replies, not so, Lord. The Lord repeats this visual learning aid three times and tells Simon not to call anything that God had cleaned unclean or common. Now Simon Peter has a lot to consider and think about. Everything that he has been raised to believe as a Jew was now being challenged. Is he now allowed to eat unclean animals? Is that the lesson to be learned? Is the vision now allowing him to eat pork and things that he had always been commanded not to eat? The word doubt used in our text is defined to mean to be perplexed, to question, to hesitate to believe. As Christians, we've all had things happen in our lives that made us question or hesitate to believe some incident or past belief we were taught. None of us have perfect wisdom in all things. Say amen right there. We must remain teachable as we live out our Christian lives. It is when we become unteachable that we stand on dangerous ground. As Simon is pondering the heavenly vision, the men sent by Cornelius reach the house he is lodged in, and they stand at the gate inquiring if Simon Peter was there. Secondly, we want to consider the Spirit directing in verses 18 through 22. We read these words. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise therefore and get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am he whom ye seek. What is the cause wherefore ye are come? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, and one that feareth God and of good report among all the nation of the Jews, was warned from God by an holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear words of thee. Simon is still doubting and pondering the vision he had just witnessed, and the Spirit of God informs him that three men are standing outside calling for him. He further directs Simon to go out to them doubting nothing. The Lord knew Simon Peter was having trouble in his mind about his recent encounter on the rooftop, and in a comforting way, the Spirit of God tells him not to doubt the events unfolding in his life. The scene would be frightening to behold, especially to Simon Peter. There are three men standing outside calling for Simon. Number one, they know Simon's full name. Number two, all three men are Gentiles. Number three, two of them are Gentile servants, and one is dressed in full military dress, for he is a devout soldier. We read about that in Acts 10:7. It said, when, when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. 
The word devout means extremely pious, apparently sincere and earnest. In other words, Simon looks out, and the first thing he sees are three Gentiles standing outside calling his name, and one of them is definitely a soldier and proud of it. So the Spirit of God informs Peter before he ever sees them that these three men are sent by him. There are so many things that could race through the mind of Simon Peter, but the Holy Spirit has assured his heart that God is in control of this circumstance. God is so personal that he involves himself in the smallest details in our lives. When God gives you peace about a certain situation you may face, you can rest in that peace and look at the situation with full assurance. Many are the illustrations that teach us that lesson. The assurance the three Hebrew boys had when threatened by Nebuchadnezzar is one outstanding example. We read about that in Daniel 3, verses 16 through 18. Brother uh, Josh read it for us uh, Sunday night. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Another example is found in a young lad by the name of David, when a giant of a man threatened him and his people. We read those, that account in 1 Samuel 17. It said, And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. When he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defiled the armies of the living God. Wow, what faith, what boldness. That is why it is so very important for a child of God to learn to be sensitive to the voice of God. When God speaks, you can trust His instructions no matter what they are. The men and Peter meet briefly outside and they inform him that Cornelius has been warned by God to send for Simon Peter. They also tell Peter that the angel that appeared to Cornelius told him that Simon had a message that Cornelius needed to hear. This adds further to the mystery now surrounding the life of Simon. Peter must be wondering, well, what is the message? What could I possibly have that a Gentile needs to hear? God is working, and the entire mystery is about to unfold by the wonderful grace of God. Verses 22, 23 through 33, we want to consider the surprising dialogue we read these words then called he them in and lodged them and on the morrow Peter went away with them and 
certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And, and the morrow after they entered into Caesarea. And Cornelius waited for them and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him, fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter took him up, saying, Stand up, I myself also am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together. And he said unto them, Ye know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. But God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore came I unto you without gainsaying, as soon as I was sent for. I ask therefore, for what intent ye have sent for me? And Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call for hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon a tanner by the seaside, who, when he cometh, shall speak unto thee. Immediately, therefore, I sent to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now, therefore, are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. Simon Peter asked the men into the house he was residing in, and the next day they leave together headed for Caesarea. Imagine it. Simon Peter, a Jewish apostle, is now entertaining and traveling with a band of Gentiles. He has been told that a man by the name of Cornelius, whom he has never met, wants, to come to his wants him to come to his house. An entourage of men led by a fully dressed soldier is leading the way. And Simon's mind is racing. He has always been in control and has had all the answers. Now he is going to an unknown place with unknown men, and he is to deliver an unknown message to an unknown man. I wonder what those men talked about as they traveled the, the dusty roads to their destination. All Peter can do at this point in his life is to take it one step at a time, literally. That is the best way to travel this life anyway. We love plans, and our plans demand forethought. But God sometimes places us in the path of the unknown. Say amen right there. But God sometimes places us in the path of the unknown to develop our faith in Him. That is why the Bible says in Psalms 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and He delighteth in His way. I've often thought about that verse, the way that it ends, and He delighteth in His way. Who delights in whose way? It says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he, the good man, delights in the ways of the Lord. Or is it that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he, God, delighteth in the good man's step? Either way, they both are delighted in each other. And among those steps will come things that trip us up and cause us to stumble. 
That is why the next verse in Psalm says, verse 24, though we fall, and we do fall through life, we do stumble, we do fall over things that uh, come our way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. We may have our plan, lives planned out, but when God interrupts those plans, we do well when we let him lead. The unknown and interrupted paths of our lives are designed by God for a wonderful lesson in life. And truly, these paths of lives are those that we would never have thought out or picked for our daily walk. We want the planned out paths designed by us. <laughs> God has roads less traveled that are handpicked and designed by Him. The safest and most secure paths for us to trot are those God-ordained roads. And they're the most rewarding for us to trot. Now Simon Peter is walking the pathway of faith. But he has been assured that God is leading each step of the way. Finally, the moment comes and Simon Peter meets Cornelius face to face. When they do meet, Cornelius is so overwhelmed that he falls at Simon's feet and begins worshiping him. Simon helps Cornelius to his feet and corrects his gracious gesture by informing him that he is a simple man just like Cornelius. When Simon enters the room, there are many already gathered to hear what this great man of God has to say. And Simon also would like to hear what he has to say. His instructions from the Holy Spirit are clear, doubting nothing. He stands there in a room full of Gentiles. And now Simon Peter opens his mouth and he, along with the Gentiles, hears these words. In verse 28, this is Peter speaking. He said unto them, Ye know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. But God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Peter lays down the law at the feet of these Gentiles. But then the revelation concerning the vision he had on the rooftop is explained. God has settled the matter in the mind of Simon Peter once and for all. The, 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 well, these three men are sent, uh, oh, I'm on the wrong page. I'm sorry. The vision had nothing to do with animals. It was all about people. It had nothing to do with Peter eating hog meat. It was about God's willingness to work in the lives of people who were considered by him and other Jews unclean and common. And there stood Peter right in the middle of a room full of those unclean and common men, doubting nothing. He has got to be beating heavy in the spirit of Simon Peter. Then he asked the group of men this question, Therefore, I came unto you without gainsaying, as soon as I was sent for. I ask, therefore, for what intent ye have sent for me. He still don't know what they're up to. What is your intent with me? Why have you sent for me? There are still many unanswered questions in the mind of Simon Peter. And the only way he knows to resolve them is to ask them point blank. He tells them that without any gainsaying, he came with them. That word means without opposition, without denial or contradiction. 
In other words, Peter willingly and without any protest fulfilled their request. He stands there at the mercy of this crowd of men and gods, doubting nothing. Two words that Simon Peter is standing on, but they are two words from God. We may have been let down by the words of men, and we all have, and we all have let others down with our words. But God's words are true and reliable. Whether there be only two words spoken under, into our spirits or a book full of written words, if they are God's words, they can be trusted. Every word written in God's book about the past, the present, and the future is absolutely 100% true. John, the writer of the book of Revelation, was shown so many things that we are still studying and learning about today. He saw a world ruined by Satan, ruled or ruined by sin, ruled by Satan and rescued by the Savior. He was told to write and his subjects would include the past, present and the future of all things. And we read that in Revelation 1.19. Write the things Jesus told John. Write the things which thou hast seen, the past, the things which are the present, and the things which shall be hereafter, the future. When he ended that book, the book of Revelation, he was told the most wonderful news a child of God could ever read. We read those words in Revelation 21, verse 3 and 4. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more hallelujah pain. For the former things are passed away. Then he wrote words of affirmation and assurance for every child of God to read. In verse 5 he said, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. These words are true and faithful. We can trust God's words. The scoffers and unbelievers may doubt them, but when we are trusting the words of God, we can face each day and every situation the same way Simon Peter did, doubting nothing. <laughs> that is what Acts 10 is teaching us about God. And I ended with that verse we started with, tremendous words of Scripture. All the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. And think about it. He's controlling your life. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. There's just some things that God does in our lives that we just will never understand. For who hath known the mind of the Lord or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him, and through him, and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. As I was studying and preparing that lesson, I was watching how God took Cornelius and Simon Peter and two 
two different cities and he brought those two together and I was reminded of what God did in mine and Debbie's life in our family's life we were in Waycross, Georgia this church was up here in Murrayville, Georgia and God brought the two of us together miraculously while God was working up here he was working down there and he was doing things in my life he was doing things in your life and then he brought the two of us together and God arranged every bit of it. I'm convinced of this. You are not here by accident. I believe God arranges for us to meet one another, be with one another for a given purpose and God knows what that purpose is. Y'all been a blessing to me. Y'all been a blessing in my life and, and how how I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be the man that I am today without having come to know all of you. And I appreciate God being so gracious in our lives. Was there times when we doubted? Oh, yeah. I wish, I'd, I, wish I could have been like Simon Peter, doubting nothing. Miss Debbie doubted. <laughs> there was at times I thought, oh, Lord. I'll never forget the first Valentine banquet. They voted me in the 1st of February, had a Valentine banquet the middle of February. And when I heard some of the things the people here at Merville said, I called Debbie. I said, Debbie, you ain't going to believe what they talked about in that Valentine banquet. She said, John, are you sure we're going to the right church? I said, that's what God told me. <laughs> and here we are 22 years later together by the grace of God. Everybody say amen right there. Amen. God has put you where you're at. Doubt nothing about it. God knows what he's doing in our lives. Amen and amen. All right, let's stand. We'll be dismissed tonight. Sure is good to be with you midweek.